Growing up, I didn't know really what the holy triduum was. You may be with me right now on that one. You might be like, holy what? The holy triduum refers to the high point of the church's liturgical year celebrations. It would be Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, kind of Easter Sunday. I know that's four days and triduum, you would think that would be three and it does refer to three. But for the Jewish people, of course, the next day starts with the previous evening. So the Holy Thursday evening mass is not actually considered to be part of Thursday. It's more part of Friday. So it's kind of part of Good Friday. Okay, so first up we have Holy Thursday evening, uh, the, the Mass of the Lord's Supper. So this is when we commemorate the Last Supper. Of course, Jesus also celebrated on a Thursday. It also happened to be the Passover service. And he made some adjustments to it. And we kind of commemorate what it was that happened there. And this, of course, is where the Mass and the Eucharist and the Christian, the new order of priesthood was also initiated. I mean, this was really... <laughs> This was major. It isn't just commemorating, you know, someone who's about to die and celebrating their last meal. It was his last meal, but it is, in some sense, our first meal, our first Holy Communion. Now, amazing thing about Holy Thursday, the Mass does not end. There's no final blessing. So if you're waiting for your final blessing and you're not used to the Holy Thursday Mass, you're going to be... Mother. It ends with the procession because it kind of blends. Just as Jesus left the, his own last supper and they went to the, the Garden of Gethsemane, so too we go in procession with Jesus in the Eucharist. And it's customary to bring Jesus from the tabernacle to completely empty the tabernacle and bring him to another place, a side altar or to the sacristy. They set it up with lots of flowers, very beautiful. And it's customary again to spend an hour with him as he asked his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, can you not stay with me one hour and pray? really encourage you to to do exactly that dive into these mysteries you will not be disappointed but notice them there's no ending proper ending to that mass and the point is that the whole triduum the whole paschal mystery as it's called is kind of like it just it's one uninterrupted prayer of jesus it's one interrupted act of worship this is the three days of the revelation the fullest revelation that we have of who jesus is and who the father is what the Trinity is. As you, you start your adventure with that, don't let it end. And maybe you've gone earlier, you've already gone to that, that Mass, that's great. Stay in that place of prayer. Stay in that place. Pretend you're still in church all these three days, these four days. Stay in that place with Jesus as best you can. So we go on then on to Friday. Again, there's no Mass as such in Good Friday. It's a three o'clock to three o'clock service, but you'll notice the priest comes come out, they prostrate on the floor, which I think is the most moving thing. They've got all the vestments on. They just lie on the ground. Can we put some plastic down? We scrub the floor first. And it's an image of what Christ did. It's well, it's an act of worship, of course, of adoration of him. But it's also Jesus again. He laid aside his garments. He, he humbled himself. He emptied himself of his glory so that he could descend even to the least of us and the most wretched of us. That He comes right beside us and right into us if we will invite him. And then there's no in the name of the Father, if I get that right. But take a look, take a listen. Maybe there is, maybe I'm completely wrong in that one. But anyway, it, it's a complete and continued kind of flow from the previous night because that's what it was for Jesus. There isn't a regular mass. There's no consecration of the Eucharist. They use the one from the, the what was consecrated the night before is brought out. There's the reading, of course, from John's gospel, a dramatic reading. And of course, then we also venerate our Lord's cross, which is a huge part before we receive communion 
of the Good Friday service. And then we go into Holy Saturday, a day of great silence. And I would encourage you to keep that as a day of prayer, of reverence for Jesus. All getting ready, because that was when he was, of course, he died and was in the tomb. All getting ready for the Easter Vigil. Now, again, if you haven't been in the Easter Vigil, if this isn't a thing, like, oh my gosh, that's like the longest Mass of the year. Yes, it is. It should be. And it is the most glorious. It is my favorite liturgy of the whole year. If you can get to a church that does it nice and late for the experience, this is where how it's supposed to be done. If you can get to a 12 o'clock one, do a midnight one, and a place where they do all the readings. There are a lot of readings. You could look at that as a terrible thing to be endured, but it is not supposed to be. It is the the juiciest sections of scripture. A lot of it is done in a lot of churches almost in complete darkness. The whole Easter vigil thing starts, of course, with a bonfire. Again, not with in the name of the Father and of the Son. It starts with a bonfire. I mean, how cool is that? One priest, a little aside, liturgy here locally in, in Bradford years ago I was at, and this priest who just had this wonderful way of celebrating the liturgy. The, the bonfire was actually done <coughs> inside for various practical reasons. It was this glass bowl filled with methylated spirits and cotton wool buds. The church was in complete darkness. And all us priests, we quietly went into the back of the church around this. And everyone, of course, was sitting in their seats facing forward. And then this priest in his beautiful English accent says, stand and face. And everyone's just standing up and turning around. And he takes his match. The fire. He throws the match into this bowl of methylated spirits. And it goes. That's really important symbol. Calm down, Columba. A little bit intense. We should be intense about the liturgy. Oh, everyone gets a candle, by the way. You light your candle from the Paschal candle and the whole church is just lit with candles. Encouragement to priests, if you're watching this, go for it, guys. Don't be like, oh, my health and safety, we need the lights on. Yeah, you, you turn the lights on, you kill the, the whole drama of, of what's being communicated because these symbols help us understand what's actually being communicated. Now, you could say the Easter Vigil is the commemoration of the resurrection of Jesus, but it's not just the commemoration of some historical event. At the heart of the Easter Vigil is the actual baptism of actual people. And baptism is the actual resurrection of Jesus being applied in the life of a person. When somebody is baptized, they die. And they also, when they are baptized, rise. The image of them being immersed in the water or poured water would be cool if they were immersed. The image of them dying and then them coming out of death into life, just as Jesus actually in his body actually died and then actually rose again. Not a resuscitation, not a clear, oh my goodness, thank, thank God, Jesus is still alive. Like, no, he actually died, dead, dead. Three days gone, a completely, totally miraculous resurrection. And we all get, if you've already been baptized, we get to renew our baptism. We can access again that grace that was outpoured into your life and implanted in you, that transformation, that real death and real resurrection that we too can, can renew that and stir up inside of ourselves the gift that we've already received. So as you renew your baptismal vows, which was the purpose of all of Lent to prepare you for this moment, don't let this one fly by. Don't be like, oh, oh we, we have an extra bit added to this vigil this mass because there's people getting baptized oh, thanks guys you have no idea how much time you added to this i had to go home and eat easter eggs come on if you find that temptation you want to take it out the back and give it a big punch okay this is glorious this is glorious someone is about to be saved from death 
you should be exploding with joy for them. You should be wanting at the end of the vigil to run over and hug them. You'd now have a new brother, new sister, and you should welcome them with incredible joy and welcoming. You know, some people have they've been baptized in Catholic churches, and and it was as if like nobody nobody said, "Oh, congratulations!" Afterwards, no one, you know, it's just like, "Oh, whatever." I have to go and eat Easter eggs. Yeah. What are we at, folks? This stuff is real. Are we just taking boxes, or do we really believe what we're going through the motions of? So rejoice with them, and then when you do it, rejoice with yourself. Enter in as if you were being born again, born afresh out of the waters of baptism, when you renew your baptism, have that attitude and then enter into, let it launch you into Easter, into this time, which is 50 days. We'll talk more about that again, of, of celebration up to up to Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. To enter into this as like you're a newborn baby. You are to consider yourself, St. Paul tells us, consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That as you renew your baptismal promises, and I'd recommend that you've gone to confession, of course, on Holy Saturday in preparation for this, so you can really be cleansed of all your sins, as if you were a newborn baby, a fresh beginning, everything else of the past forgotten, and pressing on towards the, the upward call of Jesus Christ, as Paul tells us. Brothers and sisters, have a wonderful Triduum, and have a blessed Easter. God bless you.